0: Welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre, where we'll tell the stories of the companies, the partners and the staff that make the Bradfield Centre community so special. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield, and joining us today is Jennifer Barnett, who's the CEO of Monument Therapeutics. today's episode is the first of a series of meeting some of the portfolio companies of our partner Cambridge Angels. So Jenny thanks for taking the time to come on to the show today very much appreciated and why don't we start with just learning a little bit more about you and and your path to where you are today.
1: Yeah absolutely so my uh, undergraduate degree was in psychology And like most people, I thought I'd be a psychologist, and then when I learned a little bit more about what that entailed, I I decided to go into research instead. So I did psychology at Oxford, moved over to Cambridge for a PhD where I was um, in the Department of Psychiatry looking at how cognitive function changes across the life course in people who will later develop schizophrenia. So a bit of an esoteric thing, as PhDs often are. I then went over to the States for a year on a fellowship, um, experienced American academia, and then realised I didn't want to be an academic and uh, came over here to get came back here to get an industry job.
0: Did you get exposure to like an
1: entrepreneurial experience in the States? Was that what came to- uh, It was. It was more the opposite in okay. that, uh, <laughs> that that seeing the horrors of. Uh, I was I was affiliated with Harvard and seeing the kind of competitiveness of the academic world, which I, I'd been quite sheltered from in my right. PhD, just because I was um, working for a really lovely guy who I think had protected me from all the politics. Right. Um, and yeah, I think just a gradual realization that I didn't want to uh, be a super specialist in one thing all my life. I'm mm. m- more interested in a broader set of things, and industry gave gave more um uh, more room for that. I think interesting. So I came back here, worked for a company called Cambridge Cognition, um, which is based just outside Cambridge and uh, ended up staying there for 14 years. I think this is technically my last month with them, although for the last um, well year and a year and a bit, I've been uh, mostly working for Monument Therapeutics, which yeah. we spun out of Cambridge Cognition. So it's been a, 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 a very unplanned career move, uh, very unplanned career path in general, but um, I'm very happy with how things have worked out.
0: Yeah, maybe I can just ask a supplementary there about spinning out from an established business, because another one of our companies based here, uh, Gearset, um, has had a similar kind of uh, path. They sp- they span out of Redgate Software. Right. So, you know, just, just for kind of listeners that haven't maybe experienced what it's like spinning out, you know, m- could you talk through at what stage that opportunity kind of presented itself and and what did that look like to, to make that kind of decision Uh, you know, a viable path to maybe pursue?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So from us, Monument came about um, really as a research project uh, within Cambridge Cognition. We'd been working... uh, Cambridge Cognition is a service provider to the pharmaceutical industry, so um, it has... uh, It develops software that measures how brains function, basically. So software that looks like computer games, um, but that has really great science behind it that measures precise aspects of brain function. And pharmaceutical companies use it... um, to measure how their drug is affecting brain function so uh-huh. if you're developing a drug for Alzheimer's and you want it to improve brain function um, if you're developing a, a drug that's going to be used in children for example and you need to prove to the regulators that you're not going to be um, affecting brain development uh-huh. by, by by taking this drug. So uh, in my time at Cambridge cognition I probably worked on maybe 100 clinical trials of other people's drugs um, and you learn a lot from doing that and one of the things that we thought about a lot was how we could do it better right um, so the the sort of uh, intellectual part of the spin out was was Putting our money where our mouth was, and and saying you know maybe we could try and do this the way that we think it ought to be done, or it could be done differently yeah, from, yeah. from standard. Um, in terms of the practicalities, you know the pros of, of a spin out are someone is supporting you and paying your salary while you uh, while you go through the fundraising and and, and sort of ideation stage. Um, and Cambridge Cognition were, were, were great at doing that. Um, the cons are that you maybe don't have that um, uh, immediacy of needing to to make a specific jump at a specific time. So mm to be honest we thought about it for a long time before it um became the right time to to, to, to separate and become an independent company yeah um covid was in, in lots of ways a, a a precipitating factor for that because i think a lot of uh, as a lot of people changed jobs changed careers you know moved house um in the early stage of covid when you had time to think about what you really wanted to do for us it, it became clear that now was really the time to to do this so um
0: yeah and the rationale I guess it means that the parent can focus on their core but still get
1: the upside of di- you know the diversification absolutely so Cambridge Cognition owns shares in Monument so mm. if Monument does well Cambridge yep. Cognition will benefit from that um, the sort of philosophical differences I suppose are that Cambridge Cognition is a listed company right. uh, it needs to make a profit yep. and obviously if it invests heavily in R&D that takes away from its profit yep. um, Monument's a drug development company so we're we're uh, he- heavy R&D spend Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, potentially um, a, a high risk investment relative to, um, to what uh, the investors in Cambridge Cognition originally invested in. So yeah, yeah. It was sort of a bit of a, a change necessary um, to, to uh, take that big leap into doing R&D ourselves.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So that, I guess that's a perfect segue then to talk a little bit more about Monument. Um, So, you know, can you explain to us what you do and and kind of why you do it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as I was saying earlier, having worked in um, largely developing drugs for neuroscience for a long period of time... Uh. We notice that one of the things that often happens is that um, during the early stages of drug development, a particular candidate drug looks really good, seems to work really well. Oh. Um, and then when you take that to larger groups of patients in the later stages of drug development, suddenly it doesn't seem to do so well, uh, doesn't meet its endpoints and ultimately do- doesn't get approved. Okay. Um, most CNS drugs, that's neuroscience drugs, don't get approved. Um, it's historically been one of the um, least successful areas, I would say, for the last couple of decades. Right. Um, But because we were often um, involved in analysing those data in great depth, we were able to see what was going on um, in other people's trials, which is often that... Um, some patients are actually responding really well to the drug and would really benefit from it if it were approved um, but other patients were not uh, they're either not responding at all or even having uh, having kind of the wrong kind of response yeah. having having bad side effects on the drug and and that's quite typical so if we think of something like depression um, if you if you go and get an antidepressant from your doctor um, you've got about a third chance that you'll benefit a third chance that you won't have really any effect either way. And a third chance that you'll have such bad side effects that you'll end up stopping the drug and and not benefiting from its uh, antidepressant properties. So this is something about how the brain works and how psychiatry and and neurology work that um, we don't have markers that we use to... Uh, define patient groups. We we are, decide which uh, diagnosis people have on the basis of, um, you know, the symptoms that they describe. So right. how, how are you feeling? Tell me about that. Um, yeah. Do you think it's better or worse since I saw you last? And that makes it quite difficult to do drug development because it's not a very precise measurement yeah. uh, to target your drug at. So the idea of Monument was to use um, these cognitive assessments or biomarkers as we now think of them that have been developed in Cambridge Cognition and use them not as the endpoints of clinical trials but to define groups of patients up front who we know have um, a brain process in common. So whatever else is going on with them, if they score poorly on this particular biomarker, we can assume that they've got this one brain abnormality and then we can find a drug uh, that will treat that abnormality. So we're trying to take a stratified medicine approach, mm. um, something that's really common in cancer, for example, where if you're developing a new cancer drug, you'll do it on the basis of um, a, a particular genotype that mm. the tumour expresses. Um, but it's quite different uh, in neuroscience. We, we haven't seen people um, doing that before.
0: Return to the office with confidence. At the Bradfield Centre, we offer a range of flexible membership packages which put you in control of your office and home working mix. We have a range of high quality meeting and collaboration spaces for hire. And for event organisers, our auditorium, lakeside pavilion and atrium spaces are all back to full capacity and dates are filling up fast. If you are looking to run an event, get in touch to discuss requirements including live video recording and live video streaming options. Visit BradfieldCentre.com for more information or call 01 223 919 600 it sounds like it was a greenfield opportunity then there wasn't a lot of competition out there it was a, a real gap in the market for you
1: yeah there the wasn't at the time it, when i was um first sort of trying to sell people on this story there wasn't there wasn't anyone else doing it as a company although um when you talk to scientists they say oh yeah of course that's what we should be doing that makes that makes lots of sense oh. um but interestingly last november a couple of companies came out of the u.s saying exactly the same thing so there's now quite a few um, okay. startups in this area and, and we're seeing big pharmaceutical companies starting to talk about Precision psychiatry or stratified mm. psychiatry as well. So I think it's a it's an idea whose time has come. Yeah, good timing um, for you guys. Though. Yeah, really, we're really, mm. really uh, lucky to take the plunge at the moment when there's a lot of enthusiasm for this area.
0: Mm. With that in mind then, what what kind of stage is the company at? We obviously got introduced through Cambridge Angels. Mm -hmm. Uh, Emmy's been on the show before and is obviously a big part of our community here at the Bradfield Centre. So you're at that kind of seed funding stage right now, is that right?
1: That's right. So we raised seed funding uh, last June, which Mm. allowed us to spin out and become independent. Um, Cambridge Angels have been really supportive um, of that and uh, we've, we've just completed Completed or just completing another uh, sort of small top-up round. That again, yeah. we've had new new angels involved in. Um, so yeah, the seed stage at the moment um, that was to fund the preclinical drug development work. With, mm. We're reformulating some old drugs uh, to apply here. And then we'll be looking to raise um, our Series A uh, about the beginning of next year. And that'll be to fund the human proof of mechanism studies that will um, hopefully get us to uh, able to do licensing deals with with pharma companies and take the drugs forward that way.
0: Interesting. Okay. And yeah, I mean, you know, I'm more on the software side of things than the the, the science side of things. But what kind of time horizon does that typically look like to bring something like this to market?
1: Yeah, not not, very quickly is the answer. (laughs) So on the software side, um, the the digital biomarkers are all really well validated yeah. and 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 kind of up and running, and we've had experience at Cambridge Cognition of formulating them into medical devices for um, you know use in a general practitioner's office or something like that. So the software side is um, is good to go broadly speaking. The um, the difficulty is the drug. Drug yeah. development, which yeah. is which is slow because of the necessary safety steps that you have to take. So one of the drugs that we're working with is um, basically a really well-used anti-inflammatory drug. Oh. So we know it's safe. Um, it's been used in millions of people, except that in its standard form, it doesn't get into the brain at right. all. And um, we're interested in it to uh, help dampen down inflammation within the brain. So we've um, worked with some clever chemists, reformulated it into uh, a, a lipid formulation that gets it into the brain. So, um, but now we need to check that it's safe to do that. So yeah. we know it's safe in all other parts of the body, now we need to go through the safety steps to uh, check that it's safe in the brain. Yeah. So there's some acceleration over a standard drug development programme because yeah. we, we know that it's not gonna cause problems with um, you know liver or kidneys or something like that, yeah. um, but still we need to do the kind of careful steps of uh, putting small low doses into healthy volunteers mm. um, and, then, and then higher doses and then multiple doses um, before we can go into patients and actually prove that the drug works uh, so the um, the patient studies should be um, sort of starting the back end of next year um, and as I say we hope that um, those proof of mechanism studies will uh, give us the data that we need to partner with pharmaceutical companies who will then take these on for the 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 big late stage studies that involve, you know, hundreds and thousands yeah. of patients around the world.
0: Yeah, and I'm guessing a big advantage of working with someone like a Cambridge Angels is not just the access to the capital, it's the experience within the angel group of yeah. be going through these kinds of things before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The knowledge base uh, around here is amazing. Oh. Um, it's a real network effect. So there's no, there's no two ways around yeah. it. Yeah. Um, pe- people invest in us because they know some of the people we work with or they know some of the other investors and oh. know that those people know what they're talking about
0: yeah um, yeah they can trust the validation in the idea
1: yeah exactly because early stage investing is basically you either trust the team or you yeah. trust the idea that those, those are the only two opportunities yeah. you know that they won't go according to plan and you, you you're basically looking for people who you can trust to to um, figure out uh, a new plan when something goes wrong
0: yeah absolutely I mean you touched on covid um you know when we were talking about the the genesis of the company so you're you're kind of operating uh, well there's the ceo you're managing a, a geographically dispersed team so I'm kind of really interested to understand what the challenges of leading in in that kind of situation look like and you know how do you how do you get that sense of team and how do you build a culture and I guess as you move towards series a you're going to have to start putting in plans of scaling the headcount in the yeah. company and all of those kinds of challenges so just kind of share some of some of the things that I, I guess that you're trying to wrestle with as a ceo right now
1: yeah absolutely so um we were very lucky in lots of respects in that my uh, my chief scientist and my head of development had come with me from cambridge cognition so mm. we'd had a period of time in which we had been involved in incubating the company from largely physically the the same location you know yeah. a couple of times a week, we'd. we'd all be in an office together and and that definitely helped build that the culture and and just the trust uh, yeah. and knowledge sharing so that's been a big advantage we We actually um, all live fairly remotely from Uh one another so um, monument was always going to be a largely virtual company um, and we actually have some investment from the greater manchester and cheshire authority so we do have physically an office in alderley park um Uh. up in up in cheshire um but the reality is that uh nobody's time is well spent commuting and so um, a lot of the a lot of the work that goes on um is remote i think as we scale as you say as we take on more people that's going to be a lot more tricky than it is now Uh um we're trying to deal with it by um making sure we have face-to-face meetups whenever we can so we've been having kind of retreats uh two or three times a year where we all go off site to a pub in a beautiful place somewhere and spend a few days together Uh um theoretically doing some walking and and non-work things but actually you know doing a lot of chit chat about the company because i think that's the that's the part that everyone misses it's not that you can't work effectively through Zoom or Teams or for yeah. your thing of choices. It's that it's the extra time when you're getting a coffee before the meeting and when you're walking out to your cars afterwards and when you go, you know, maybe go to the pub together afterwards. They, they, that's where the magic happens, right, yeah. in science companies. Um, and that's the bit that I think is hardest to um, to replicate and, and, and is most, uh, most valuable in lots of ways. So that's what we're trying to replicate with this mm. retreat idea.
0: I guess in some ways you've got the advantage of being born almost in COVID. So you're creating a modern business that's already pre-designed to cope with that kind of lack of need to be all in the same office, nine to five, Monday to Friday.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think retrofitting how to work now to an existing, you know, to to a culture that had everybody in the office and then had nobody in the office, figuring out what to do next is, is really tricky, in part because, people just vary in their preferences of yeah. what they want to do. And so any, anything you implement from above, I think, is, is is bound to make some people really happy and some people really unhappy. Yeah. And also just people's lives have changed. And two years on, people have moved. Um, they moved away from a job or near an, uh. a, a different job or something like that. And, and so it's... Um, it's tricky to, to to manage those expectations. So yeah, I think we have lots of advantages of just being virtual right from the start. Uh, um, and I suspect more and more people will will set up these ways, and uh, things like the Bradford Centre will become the heart of people's culture rather uh, than um, anything that involves um, commuting to a bricks and mortar kind
0: yeah. of place. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so what does you know what is this year or you know the next couple of years look like I mean we touched on some of that maybe when we were talking about the growth that was planned in the company but you know what are the kind of big milestones that you're looking towards
1: so the the next big milestone for us is the first time that our anti-inflammatory program goes into humans Um, so we've done the preclinical work now and some safety studies Um, so yeah the first clinical trial for us starts uh, next month I believe which is a really big milestone Um, hopefully we'll have data from that by the end of the year and it will show us that the drug is getting into human brains as well as it gets into um, animal brain. Um, And that's the data that we really um, want to use to uh, start fundraising for our Series A. So my job around the end of this year will all be about figuring out who's going to be with us for the Series A and what that what that really looks like
0: and you need that data as the proof point to do and that And that
1: data is really the the value inflection point for us in yeah. terms of um everything looks beautiful uh, in animal models but animals animals aren't the same as as humans yeah. so um, that's why we've done this recent raise is to allow us to get that first human study the way we want it so that we can hopefully have some really nice uh, human data to go forward with for that funding round yeah fantastic
0: well, that's amazing. I mean, so if people want to find out more about you guys, well, where, where should they head to?
1: Our website is monumenttx.com. It has contact emails on it. I'm very happy to uh, chat to anyone that's interested in
0: the area. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure you're super busy at the moment.
1: Not at all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks.
0: thanks again to jenny for coming in today and spending some time on the show the show was produced by cole homer of cambridge tv and you can listen to previous episodes by searching for inside the Bradfield center on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud stitcher and amazon music or by visiting Brafieldcenter.com if you have two spare seconds please give us a five-star review it will really help other people discover the show